comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, welcome to another edition of the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. Today you got me, Austin, and Kyle. You can find me on Twitter at It's Austin Bolton, and you can find Kyle at Call Me Kinslow. Go ahead and give us uh, five stars, review those podcasts, and wherever you may be listening, if it's Spotify, Apple, wherever it may be, it's greatly appreciated. I definitely try to go through and read them all, so uh, go ahead and get those reviews in. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, man. Back from Vegas, back from uh, W weekend, and uh, rolling on to back to normalcy, right? Kind of the, the holiday hangover has ended, and we're all back to work and do back on the grind. So I'm happy that we got an Aztec game coming up here on Saturday to hopefully give us another uh, rush of endorphins with that W on the it, weekend. It was the Mondayest, Mondayest of Tuesdays going on this week. It just, like, it took forever. But uh, It did. I digress. I appreciate you waiting me out. I, you know, I, I, I still play a little rec basketball, and every now and then we get on a little bit of a hot streak. I get lucky. Hell, yeah, you're good, on a heater, I man. I get a good guy on my team that's ba- that was basically <laughs> Matt Bradley doing, doing ISOs all day, hitting them for us. So I appreciate you waiting around for me today. But uh, Sure, no problem. Yeah, man, you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we did a mailbag this week, and we got, we'll call it three and a half questions. So the first one I'll go for is from Jeff Jeff Vance via email, and his question is, I don't understand using Trammell to inbound the ball into the basket. He has trouble getting the ball in. I don't know if the play is too complicated and takes too long to develop or some other issue. In my mind, Trammell is the guy you want to receive the ball. Thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, I think this is very easy. Tremel's a senior. Tremel's your guard. Uh, he wants his best passer passing the ball. I don't think that Tremel makes a lot of mental mistakes uh, in those situations. And then on top of that, he's a guy that you wouldn't mind shooting the ball. So the inbounder can obviously be the first person that can get the ball back from the guy he passes the ball to. Um, as well as having he and the other guard who's ever on the floor is the one who's normally going to be in the backcourt to break the press. That's who you want. Considering we've seen some mental lapses from Lamont, I think that he's the very obvious choice, especially because, you know, your other options are what? The longer players, you know, you see the three and D wings in the NBA inbound the ball or, uh, you know, maybe even the power forward, but I would much rather have Trammell than Kashad passing it in, and I don't want Mensa passing it in. So <laughs> that's kind of kind of where I fall. What about you? Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I looked this up on Synergy, actually, and our inbounds from the baseline, our blob plays are actually, it's rated very good. That's .99 points per possession. They're, we're very good at baseline at out-of-bounds plays. It's the one thing Dutcher doesn't really I'm drawing up. I think it's why you and I, in particularly, get frustrated that he doesn't call more plays because it's just like you're good at it. We like, see. Why aren't you doing it? Um, I think it just looks a little funny sometimes because I will say Tremel has a great internal clock. He might have mm-hmm. been. He might have deserved one or two more five second calls, but I mean, he only had one against him so far this year, and he really lets the the plays develop. If the first option isn't there, the second option isn't there, the third option isn't there. 
he does a good job of kind of really knowing having it's kind of like a quarterback, right? When when you have the pocket sure. collapsing around you. And I think I think lastly, I think it's a I like having a shooter as the inbounder in the case that it's really easy to lose him off of the inbounds. So if you get a good cut that kind of people collapse on, it's easy for him to kind of just slide to the corner and he's wide open, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think that's probably why we see Tramel. Also, he's like you said, he's a senior. He he's not gonna do something silly. I mean I, I, you know, I, I wish he was a little bit taller for those situations, but it, it, sure, sure, yeah. All right, next we got from Max SD zero zero nine on Twitter. What do you think Dutcher should try to do and get to get Ladie more involved in clicking with the team? We are really going to need more contributions from him to get where we want to go, in my opinion. So, what do you, what do you yes. think about Ladie? How do you, how do you, how are you feeling about how they're using him? So, I think. I think the issue with Ladie actually has almost nothing to do with Ladie at all and more to do with the makeup of the team. Uh, Ladie is not a five. He is a four. He was used as a five at TCU. And by all accounts, that's one of the biggest reasons why he left, he left to Ohio come State to SDSU. You know, you're, yeah, you're because, they were, because they were playing him as a back-to-the-basket player for a guy who in high school was a guard. So he had the the Anthony Davis growth spurt with guard skills, bigger body. When I watched him in the summer in the Swish League, he was dominating on the perimeter. And so it's it's pretty obvious to me that he's not a back to the basket 5, yet that's why he's be, where he's being deployed. And I think a lot of that is because we do not have anyone that Dutcher trusts that can play as the secondary big with him on the court. He, I mean, DeMarche hasn't played at all. And the only other big on the team that gets run is Elijah Saunders, who he has the quickest hook with and has, you know, and and clearly doesn't trust him in that vein to, to play significant minutes. I hope that with the conference play coming up. And I think we're all, I heard your prediction on the last pod. We're going to run the table. And I like that, but that also means we should have some significant blowouts giving Elijah Saunders some time. He needs to play because he is the key to unlocking Ladie in this system, getting someone to play the five alongside of Ladie would infinitely make him better. One of the things that I want to point out is we have this play that we ran consistently last year. Haven't seen much of it this year. Where we'd give we we'd run somebody off the ball to screen Matt Bradley's guy to get him the ball at the basically at the wing on the three, and last year Trone and I were talking about just shoot the ball, Bradley, take one dribble, shoot the ball instead of dribbling and isoing. I would love for them to get Ladie in a similar set where he's catching the ball on the move, going towards the basket. In in my opinion, his best game so far has been the BYU game. He absolutely dominated and a lot of that game he was attacking from the high post so at the free throw line at the elbow at the three-point line and heading getting him downhill and going to the basket that's where he's best not as a back to the basket player you take away his biggest strengths his mobility his athleticism his speed when you put him back to the basket but again i think it's a bigger problem with the team as a whole and less to do with Ladie. Because I think if we had somebody else that could run there, he would be getting minutes at the four. One of the things that I think we could do, very simple addition, or simple simple strategy, 
a rope small ball five, Ladie at the four on offense. I think we're a ropes finishing at the basket is like ridiculous. Uh, we're gonna have a, a pod coming out soon with with Aztec Analytics where we talk about that. But I think that just that significant movement in terms of just moving him to the four on offense will do wonders for Ladie and our offense as a whole. What about you? You know, I totally agree with you. I, I was looking at Synergy, and you probably saw this too when you were looking at the lineups. I'm pretty sure the best two-man lineup is a rope and Ladie. I'm I'm almost mm-hmm. I mean a rope actually is like seven of the top ten lineups that the Aztecs have in two-man. Mm-hmm. But I am almost certain that a rope and Ladie is the best two-man group that the Aztecs have. And I totally agree with you. I mean, he doesn't want to play five. We know that. He transferred twice because of it, and yet he sits on the post. Mensa gets the ball at the top of the key. They sag all the way. Mensa's guy sags all the way down so Ladie can't even touch the ball. And he doesn't do anything. And he, I like Ladie. He's definitely a four. The reason he's not a five is because he's a little soft. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like bruising down there. Like he wants to be free flowing and moving. And that's okay because he's still a good rebounder, which he can get in there. But on offense, he doesn't, he doesn't move around down there like you would want a traditional five, right? And they should, I just don't understand why they don't just put him at, I don't know why before the season, they didn't take every game before Nathan Mensah went out with his, his lung issues in 1920 being like, you're Yanni Wetzel. You are the queen on the chest. Yes. Yes. You can play high. You can play in the corner. You can play at the high post. Those, do you remember like the Iowa game? There's a couple games, but the high low between Wetzel and Mensah where they would kind of cross, like, I think mm-hmm. it was like, Wetzel would be at the right high post, and then Mensa would be at the left low block, and they'd have this beautiful high-low game. Where is that? Our coaches are the, almost exactly the same. Like, where they, is that kind of just move? He's the queen on the chessboard. He can kind of do everything. And he is also, one thing I've noticed, the ultimate rhythm player. So, like, in BYU, he's like a, he's like a snowball. He just gets going, he gets going, he gets going. There was, where's the game, what was the game he came back and he hit like 11 of 12 free throws? I think it was Kennesaw, one of, one of those games, but again, mm-hmm. he gets going, he gets going, he gets going. When he's just in there in spot situations and then gets yanked, he obviously doesn't like playing that way, and it, it very yeah. much shows. But I, you I could, you I could also play. Taking take the 1920 tape from those first 15 games, be like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I don't know. You could also play he and Mensa more. I feel like they don't play the two of them together enough. And we saw last year, how many times did we see uh, like Diabate share the court with what, another one of the bigs? Frequently, because Which we were getting horrible. killed. <laughs> it was it was bad. You're right, it was bad. But Ladie is a significantly better player than Diabate. And Ladie is a four. Uh, everyone sees it. It's just... Yeah. He doesn't I, like to play him together, and I and I don't know why. They're I, they're the two of them would dominate the boards together. I don't understand. Like, I mean, they obviously recruited him in a way. Like, I, I also get a little worried about. There's a lot of subtweeting out there that I've seen from that camp, and they obviously are, are I think, kind of in the same boat. And I, I worry a little bit what's in his ear. That's a. I don't have any information on that. I'm a little worried. You know, that's kind of a sidebar, but sure. They're, I don't know, I just, there's a way to use him and they're not doing it. Um, what would you think, you know, I've thought about this. What if, say he played like a hypothetical five, but they played a five out. So they just kind of didn't worry about the offensive rebounds, but they played more of a motion offense with a five out like that. 
That would be fine. That would be completely fine. Yeah, okay. And it. Go ahead. I was gonna say that you've with the five out, you've got he and Trammell, who's a great step back pull up three point shooter, argue, uh, uh, operating in the pick and roll in space. Like that's you're. I think I love that idea. I never thought. I haven't thought about that. But any any opportunity we can get to get Ladie with people cleared out from the hoop to use his athleticism almost in the same way we want KJ to play on offense. We want him attacking the glass. We want him moving towards the basket, using the things that are his strengths, getting Ladie on the move and in the, in, in with the ball or just moving towards the hoop, his cutting the, those things are his strengths. We see, I saw it from the very first moment I watched this dude play against DeMarche, uh, not DeMarche, um, against a former Aztec five. And, and he just dominated this guy. He just, Deshaun Stevens, that's the name I was looking for. You know, he dominated I, Deshaun Stevens on, in the, on moving, but not in the low post. He, and he's, and Deshaun Stevens, no joke, man. He's got, he's had a good career. That guy is a man. Yeah, he's playing he's overseas. Player. Yeah, I, I also would love to see them use the short roll, kind of how they use Draymond Green. That's a big five-out play where you could – because to your point about BYU, when he got that ball in the high post and he was going downhill, when he got his back to the basket and he was doing that spin move and he was kind of going right and left, mm-hmm. it was awesome. And they, yeah. don't, they don't put him in places to be successful. And it, it's not like they don't have it in the bag because we've seen them do it. That's the most frustrating part about Jin is like yep. we've seen them put a guy with a similar skill set – in places to be successful, we've seen it. Yep. They were thirty and two that season, mm-hmm. and they're not. And they're not doing it. So it's rough. It's very frustrating. It's it's arguably the most frustrating part of the season outside of the offense. But it's yeah, it's tough. Prediction: Do you think he comes back next year? I, is he available? I thought he was. I thought a, he had a COVID year. Maybe. I mean, if he if he has a COVID year, maybe. But. He could get money in Europe, I think. So probably okay. not. I don't. I would be surprised. I'd yeah, be uh, it's surprised, personally. Yeah, that's just you know they're not using him the way that he wants to be used. Why would he stay another year if he, if he definitely can make money? Sometimes? Definitely. All right. So we got two questions from uh, Brian MV ninety six, whose name is Lamont Butler Stan. I thought I was with the Lamont Butler Stan, but there's someone else on Twitter also. <laughs> But uh, he's got two. He got two questions, so I'll go one at a time. So, do you believe that Dutcher will change his offense and do more off-ball sets, more span, pick and roll, like the twenty twenty team? Absolutely not. It felt like we had a style of play where we were playing in rhythm. The Ohio State game is is literally the way that this Aztec team should be operating where we're running sets, we're running set plays, we're running guys off screens. And after that, he completely abandoned it. We haven't played a game like that the rest of the season. And if you look at history, we've been screaming for a better set offense basically since Steve Fisher was here. Like, it's always been that way. The best offensive teams that we've had are the ones with great guards. Like Kawhi's team was great on offense, but a lot of that's because they had Xavier Thames and and you know great guard play alongside of it. Malachi Flynn's team, we had him, NBA or DJ Gay, DJ Gay, exactly. And as much as I love Lamont and DT's turning into a, a solid player for us, they don't play like those two. They don't play like those three players. They're not a guy who could. They're both not dudes that can command the offense. It's just not who they are. 
I think Tramel is, but he's about five inches too short. <laughs> well, he can, he can do that, but you've got to. Mens is not the five to run the pick and roll with. It's Ladie, but we want Ladie playing the four. It, it's a mess. It's a total mess. And we were talking about this last year, running more plays for for you know our shooters, and it just never happened. And I mean, I, I'm I would kill for us to run the same actions that we ran for Jordan Shackle on a regular basis. That off-ball screen, getting him to curl around to shoot a, a, either a long two or an open three, get him that shot. It Run the same exact plays. I know he's not the same level of shooter as as Shackle is with Formica, but what about somebody like Seiko off a screen? Or It's funny, though, because Bradley, when he catches and shoots, is that good of a shooter. Yes. He refuses to do it. That yes. one of UNLV in the corner, that Micah tossed on that pass in the corner, that was beautiful. It was a yeah. perfect drive and kick. That thing barely touched the net. And, like, he, his, We're, you know, the ISO is good because you need it in March when you need a bucket. Like, it's good mm-hmm. that it's there. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated with just how willy-nilly that Dutch is. It's like, yeah, like, of course I'm just going to give the ball to Matt Bradley and do his thing. It's like, no. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. No, we're, but. we're talking about a coach who in back-to-back games had, and I'm quoting this, players win games, not plays. And then the next game where we didn't play well, he said, the players need to play better. Those two things don't go together. Those two things don't signal to me that he's running or or instilling a strict offense. And you saw it even against UNLV. It like it, it stinks because we could be a great offensive team, but it feels like we're really going to rely on individual performances and our defense, and that's really frustrating. It, it's a definite regression when it's like this whole year we were just talking about the offense is going to be way better, and the offense looked mm-hmm. great, and then and then Arizona and Arkansas happen, and it just like we shriveled up, mm-hmm. and it's just like what happened to this group? This it was going good, and then you know. In the post-game interview against UNLV, Dave Velasquez mentioned a couple weeks ago, we really wanted to tighten up the defense. And I mentioned this before, but uh, you know, I'll say it again. Like Reading between the lines, that goes, we don't trust these guys on offense, so we gotta, we got to like really harness the defense. And like, well, we'll figure the – you know, we'll, we'll get buckets, offensive rebounds, and we're willing to win 52-49. Like, that's not how you win games in March. Like, you've got to get a bucket. You've got to get a bucket. And mm-hmm. – just like in just like in Creighton, all we needed was a basket. All we needed was a basket, and now we know why kind of Chad Baker wasn't trusted. But like, there are times when you gotta play to put the ball in the hoop because that is the mm-hmm. point of the game. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah, at some point yeah. you gotta put the ball through the basket. And, and we we went through it, and and this is something for Aztec fans to watch out for in the future when we have a lead that is like less than 10 points or even more than 10 points at the end of the game. We go into the prevent offense. We literally go into prevent offense where we're dribbling the ball, we're dribbling the ball, we're dribbling the ball. We're running this basically time-wasting weave play at the top of the key that does nothing because we don't attack the basket off of it. We don't run screens off of it. It's just basically a Harlem Globetrotters-style handoff back and forth. It's the modern version of the four corners. Yes, and we literally will take an isolation three every single time, or a pull up. Like we're basically rolling the ball to Matt Bradley and saying, "Save us, make it, make a one on one shot," which is fine 
if you're doing it one out of five times, but we will do that every single time up the court in crunch time. And it is so frustrating. Yeah. I, I wish he'd micromanage this. He says he doesn't like micromanaging this team. Like you're the freaking coach. Sometimes you got to micromanage the team when you don't have a first round pick playing point guard. (laughs) Micromanage calling. I have never thought of a coach calling a play as micromanagement. But he that is, it, but he does think of it that way. Yeah, but that's it, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it is. I, I'm just going to say this: that's completely wrong. Okay, that is completely and objectively wrong. Putting calling a play is putting your people in a position to succeed. That is great leadership. That is great management. You know, it's not going figure it out on your own. That's bullshit. You know, it's funny though. If I, if, if that's the way you want to play, like that's fine. That is fine. But you have to install something that is an offense based off reads and decisions and options, right? Like I know mm-hmm. the triangle offense is antiquated, but I'll just use it as an example. Cause in the triangle, you have three guys on one side and you have the weak side, you have the weak side. And based on what the defense gives you, you either go low or you reverse it, but there are triggers based on what the offense, they're just, you know, if, if A happens, you do B, and if C happens, you do D, and there are these decisions that are built within the framework, and the team can play with a certain flow that's not necessarily, you know, set plays, but you have a foundation of what you're doing. The Warriors do the same thing. The Warriors basically have a mismatched version of the triangle mm-hmm. and what the Spurs run, and like a pick and roll when they, when they really need a basket, and and what they do is they don't have to call set plays because within their offense, when a defender does something, oh, the read is you do this. The read is you do that. And that's how you give freedom with an offense, not just be like, hey, guys, like, you want to just, like, roll it out and go ISO? Like, good luck. It's the park. It's just like what Austin was doing at the LA Athletic Club tonight. Like, just just figure it out. Like, they, yeah. don't, they don't have a foundational framework like that in their half-court offense. And, and the best part about this is I encourage every single Aztec fan that's listening to the show, I want you to watch one other team this year. It'll just do it once. The Yukon Huskies. Because their team Beautiful. and their lineup and the way that they play basketball and, and the way that their their team is constructed is exactly the same as San Diego State, except their coach runs a, a set offense and lets them dominate, and they are currently number four in the country. It's, it is it is exact. Just take that and copy and paste it into the Aztecs, and you have a top 10 team, like, uh, undoubtedly. I, it's funny. I watched them lose to Xavier. That was a really good game, but I watched yeah. the first half of that, and I was just like, these guys are flying all over the place. Drive, kick, pick, roll, off-ball screens. And it's, again, it, all it is is read and react, but you put mm-hmm. in a set of principles mm-hmm. of what you want to do. You don't have to call plays, and you can let them be free, but you have a set of principles that you live by. And that's something they haven't installed. I will say, to kind of zag to what we've been talking about, there was a mention in Ziegler's week in his three thoughts piece about them implementing a play called a pick, roll, and lift, where it is the cousin of the Spain pick and roll. So basically, Tremel's high, Mensah, and then Bradley sits at the free throw line. Mensah comes and sets the pick. And then when they do their pick and roll action, Instead of Bradley picking Mensa's guy on the roll, he uses Mensa as kind of a brush screen to go to the top of the key. And that's how they got the first open three of the game. And then they had a, it's a really hard time switching it. And UNLV admitted so 
as admitted as much after the game. And, you know, they went under the screen a bunch. That's how Tramel got that really weird wide open three mm-hmm. where all of a sudden all the guys kind of broke to the basket and he was wide open. That was that was that play. So I will say there is a glimmer of hope that they are installing yeah. some stuff. But I still, you know, to your that we've just been talking about, like the fact that they don't just have principles and what they're doing. And, and you know what? Maybe they do. And the guys just don't do it, but they play sure. hard on defense, so they just go, well, man, whatever, you know. And that, yeah, and that we're good. We're that good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could be the case. That could Definitely. totally be the case. But Bradley goes off script an awful lot then, and when he goes three for fifteen, you know, at Colorado State, and we're grinding out a win, and mm-hmm. they lose one, like that's that is strictly because of our. Offensive sets, straight up. Absolutely, absolutely, and and the, even the game against UNLV, UNL like if UNLV doesn't hit those threes at the end of the game, we win by twenty. But because they did, it forces us to play in a pressure situation, and we're going to ISO, and and we all don't want that. I, I will I will say I was actually very pleased with how they handled that. Like they did go to ISO, but thank God they broke the press and hit the free throw. Well, safe yeah, the man, which is an aberration, but the press thing was big. And just they seemed a little bit tougher. Like they've learned their lesson from that mm-hmm. from the debacles. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just got to kind of keep going with that. So yeah, I definitely. will say the, the, the offensive sets is is what it is. As I was talking with Carly, like I'm to the point where I've just accepted it. Where you, when I ask you the question, you go, "No, he's not doing anything." Like I am kind of in full acceptance yep. mode that yep. we are basically last year's team with shinier parts, and at least Tramel can be the bat, the, the Robin to, to Bradley's Batman. So yes. that is at least good, but I just want to see these guys roll some sets. And I do believe there will be a game where all of a sudden it's going to flow and we're going to be like, yes, where the, where the F has that been for freaking two months? And then they'll revert back to ISO when something happens, uh, you know, whatever. So, yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, Brian MV 96s second question was, who do you think is the master key to this team besides Bradley? Yeah, I think it, I mean, the master key, I, I think you can only have one, and I think it's Matt Bradley. Um, unfortunately, that uh, one of the things I've realized is when he's when he's hot, we have a chance to pretty much beat anything, anyone. But when we have another guy who's cooking, we're pretty much unbeatable. And DT was cooking against UNLV. I still think that if Lamont stays on the floor, and can play defense at the level that he can, he completely changes games. Um, so, But the master key, if we're going to pick one person who we think is the dude that if he plays well, we're going to win, I think it's AG. I think it's a rope. I think that a rope playing in really any capacity, you said it, he's in how many of the, the best lineups that we have per synergy? I think that, Against UNLV, he really showed his versatility, right? That tomahawk dunk that was such a huge energy play for the Aztecs. Offensive rebounds. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I also think he's a, he can play. He's outside of Mensa. He's the best post defender that we have. I, I love him guarding a bigger five. Even if even if against the UNLV game, he was guarding a dude who was way bigger than him and did completely fine. I think I think it's him, right? And and Reality is, if if we could use Ladi better, I, I don't think it would be a question. It's him, but it's in the in the way that this team plays and the way that this coaching staff coaches, 
I think it's AG. I mean, he's been great. The, my biggest worry with AG is we know that he ha- we have nine lives with AG, right? We've that is a fantastic way to put it. We put you at, We used one against UNLV when he had 28 points. I think we used one against Arkansas where he played quite a bit. No, no, no. He, he was really wrapped up at Arkansas. I remember being like, oh, he's, he's played too much. One of those games in Maui, and then there's a couple – I think there was one other one where he got like 15, 20 minutes. We got like six left, right? And like, sure, you know, the, it's okay. It's okay if we don't need to use him every night because we will need him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need definitely. Him in the Mountain West tournament, we will need need him in the NCAA's. He's, you know, I would say he's got six to seven more twenty plus minute games left in his career, and they have to. You know, I think they will use them as they need them as they come up. But you know, I I agree, he's super important, but. Yeah, I mean, there there are some some DNP rests coming up for him, and with the lower half of the Mountain West, we're gonna run through those teams like butter. So I I think that sitting him against you know even the Air Forces of the world and the really Wyoming. bad teams, Wyoming, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with no it, EK, I mean, he's the yeah, EK, I don't know. EK backup and EK still in the food. We'll get to that, but like, sure. You know, I mean, the, the altitude thing means he's probably going to have to play some, but. You know, I, I, I honestly think the master key is more of just, we need one guy playing, right? And we've seen, the that's the thing about this team. We've seen DT have the game. We've seen Micah Parrish have the game. We know that Nate can take over and have five blocks and 15 rebounds and score, have a double-double. We know that. We know that AG can contribute in all facets of the offense. We know Lamont Butler can shut down their best player. Like there are so many, I think the master key is more of a concept and that's, we need one of those other pieces to be working, not an additional player. It's like a, it's like a nuclear bomb in a, in a war movie where you have two keys to let the nuclear yeah. fight. So Bradley, Bradley's always in mm-hmm. and then you need the other one to detonate the missiles. Right. And that's yes. where we are here. Yes. And it doesn't matter who turns that key. It doesn't matter. It doesn't in matter those movies, the, the first person normally puts that key and ain't the one that's turn, making the final turn. So yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I think it's Nate personally. Um, he, on Evan Mia, he's the number one rated person on the team. I mean, it's just a matter of whether he can stay in foul trouble. I don't know what happened to Nate if he just got too confident. There was a time and place where when we needed a big game from Nate defensively, he, he gave it to us, and now he gets in foul trouble. I, he didn't get in foul trouble against UNLV, but like, there's, it, it's been trending more yeah. that he gets into more I, foul trouble. I have an answer for you, actually, I think. I think that answer is he dominated against the traditional fives, the big guys, right? How many of those play, How many of those traditional bigs have we played this year and are even left in the conference? The answer sure, outside of EK is zero. Yep, and he dominated EK last year. Yeah, I mean, when he when he is playing good and he's not a black hole on offense and he's kind of playing inside out and he's not in foul trouble. I mean, look at the end of the BYU game. He mm-hmm. was he was the most important guy in that game, and I think he. You know, I think with him just staying on the floor, that also makes sure that, like, AG doesn't have to use a ton of minutes. You sure. Know, he's great with Ladee. His numbers are great with KJ. Like, he just needs to stay on the floor. Um, and, I, and I, you know, he's, he's this, I think, uh, you know, on defense, he's obviously the straw that serves the drink. But I think he does more on offense than 
he gets credit for because everybody sees how bad of screens he sets and everybody gets frustrated with how, how that happens. But when he's actually being effective on the low post playing inside, oh, up, yeah. he's, he's much better than setting a bad screen or doing a dribble handoff at the top of the key. So absolutely. Here, I have a, I have a bonus bonus, like speed round for you that this brought up. All right. I'm going to say a player and you tell me if you think they're still going to have a crazy game this year. Jaden Ledee. Yeah. Breakout game. No, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Lamont. I absolutely. This, yes. Yeah. I think it's uh, coming. Do you think, do you, do you think Nate has a big game? Has like a monster, monster game? <sighs> Not on offense, but on defense. Absolutely. What about KJ? Man, this is tough. I'm going to say no. I'm a believer and he plays good defense and he's always good for uh he's always good. I was on the train last year. I thought he was going to have a game where he hit three threes miraculously and I, it never <laughs> came. And I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm, it's I'm tough. losing a little faith, but I, yeah. I love him. I just, I do. And I just enjoy him I, as a person. And I wish he was I, playing. I wish he was getting more production, but I also think that he is the single most, the player that's affected, affected the, the most by the, all of the negativity in terms of what we don't like about the team. I think he is affected most. Last year, we had a guard who was a significantly pass first instead of trying to hit shots on the perimeter guard. And that encourages, you know, KJ to cut. But with our guards now, they're not that. I don't even know if they're shot creators, maybe ISO, but not for other people. So I think KJ's kind of taken the biggest hit. I think it's funny because they can do it. They just don't do it. Yeah. I will say on the transition, I think Tramel and KJ actually have a pretty good connection. On most of big KJ's big dunks in the transition have been from passes from Tramel. So um, I, I do think there is somewhat of a connection there, but you're right. Like he and, stands in the corner. Gets in foul trouble, gets pulled, sits for huge stretches of time, and is completely, completely yeah. out of rotation. You, you mentioned so. you mentioned Ladie being like the the guy who's on the roll. He's he's a snowball. KJ is kind of like that too. And That's true. and and with KJ, his plays are not just normal plays. His plays are like huge momentum plays due to his his athleticism and his play style. So when he is dunking. And he is in rhythm, and he is making shots. He had a a game earlier this year. Might have been it. Might have been the Air Force game, where he was taking effectively a free throw line jump shot, and he made it. And I was really surprised. We had, didn't it see that the at all. Best looking shot I've ever seen him take. Yeah. So, my guy, take three steps in right to shoot that shot because I know he's got the he's kind of in his head right now with the three ball. I, he had a, a possession against UNLV where he traveled. I think. Uh, after catching it after the at the three point line, go either take somebody's head off or just take a little nice pull up two pointer. It's okay. This isn't the pros. It's, it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. You almost have to treat both Jaden Ledee and KJ as uh, kind of like how the how the magic used to do with Dwight Howard, where like to get him engaged for the whole game, you run the first three plays for him. You know I, where they yeah. get him in the post and get him a dunk and you get him a, like a little do do some stuff that you don't particularly love but he likes it so it gets him engaged there's a little bit of that to both of those guys mm-hmm. and you know if they had some kind of back screen play just to get kj and alley how great would that be if they tried to run something like that every other game every you know something just to like get him going we haven't done that once in three Not years in three years 
And and you're right. There is not an athlete that can compete with him in the air. None. And so, yeah, just <laughs> we're back to the offensive optimization. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Because he's just, he's just, you know, it's it's the uh, it's the drum that can't keep beating. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just out there. So, yeah. all right. The last question from our biggest fan from It's Austin Bolton on Twitter. <laughs> to steal from Aztec for life, Denny Green, is the Mountain West who they thought they were? Yeah, I'm going to go slightly better than what I thought at the beginning of the year, which was awful. So I'm going to say bad. I think that UNLV, not as good as everyone thought they were after the hype. New Mexico, they just lost to Fresno State. And that's a bad loss. Fresno State's under 500. And I, Wyoming was supposed to be, I think, at the season preview pod. Trode and I both picked Wyoming to finish second with EKs. They've just been ravaged by injuries, and their new players haven't played up to the standard that they wanted. They're significantly worse. Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens has been injured and came back, I think, but they're not as good. It, it's bad. The conference is bad, and and... I don't care that New Mexico was ranked, what, 21st earlier in the year. The the conference is going to cannibalize itself. And at the end of the season, it's going to be a bad conference. It's going to be a one-to-two bid league. I watched that whole game last night. And I was pretty impressed with their big guy, 24. And their other big guy, 53, can stroke the three if he's wide open. They they actually were like a C-minus version of Kirk and Bearstow from back in the day. Like, I was pretty impressed with, with uh, DK, I think his name. I probably pronounced it wrong, but 24. He was a good player. But they gave up a ton of threes to Fresno. And mm-hmm. I just, I wasn't that impressed. I, I wasn't that impressed. I wasn't that impressed with UNLV. The one team that I did watch late, lately that I was more impressed with was Utah State. They got sure. size. Ashworth is hitting 53% from three, which wow. is freaking outrageous. That's gonna get him picked. In, that's gonna get him drafted in the NBA right there. You know they're the one. They're the one. I I don't think I their height doesn't intimidate me as much as their Ken. It says on Ken Palm they're really tall. I didn't buy that when I watched that game. I think I think we'll eat those those bigger guys up. But you know, and going there will be hard because their fans are assholes. Sure, that place will be rocking. You know, and it's just what it is. But I've never. I still feel just as strong. There's a grenade out there if they play poorly and they get really cold, but th- this team can absolutely still go undefeated. I believe that to my core. I believe it to my core that this team can go undefeated. Yeah, I think, yeah. I don't think I, they – they probably won't, but I believe that they can. Like, I truly believe – like, I don't think it's that outrageous. I think they, they can go undefeated. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's, it's very possible. Uh, but Utah State, their schedule, pretty dang soft, too. Um, I and. Week, week, week. I mentioned and, that in my season preview. Like, that is, that's bullshit that they didn't play one quad one. They're just like milking the net system with a bunch of like weird week quad two games. Like, we'll see when they come to the A house. Like, really. Yeah. We'll see what they're really made of. Like, we could absolutely run them out of the gym that night. Like, yep. for sure. And, and I mean, you look at kind of uh, common opponents for Utah State. Utah State and UNLV both played USD. Utah State won by two, UNLV won by uh, 17 points. Now, of course, matchups are a thing, right? But USD is not the best team in the world. And to only beat them by two, that's rough. And they lost to Weber State. 
Keith Dinwiddie, baby. Leading Weber State to Utah State. Definitely. All right, so we'll move on to the Wyoming preview here. I'm just going to throw some stats out. I'm just going to throw some stuff, and we can kind of we've kind of talked about it a little bit. But Wyoming is five and nine overall. They are zero and two in Mountain West play. They're still one thirty two in Ken Palm, and their net is two oh seven. Their offensive efficiency is pretty good at one hundred six point three per hundred possessions, which is eighty six in the country. They do make forty eight percent from three, which is pretty good. Uh, but where the rub is, is their defensive efficiency. They give up 103.5 points per 100 possessions, which is 217th in the country. They give up 34% from three. They give up 52.4% from two. That is terrible. Mm-hmm. And they are almost dead last in blocks and steals. So a team that generally prides itself on not turning the ball over, although UNLV did do a good job of that last game. I mean, if they're not going to get any turnovers on, or any steals or blocks on us, like – they're in trouble. That, that's... Uh, my, my, ha- go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, forced turnovers is how you beat the Aztecs. Yes, and they don't do it. So I think, you know, they're, they're, with our depth and going up there with, the, you know, the beet juice and all that, like, well, I think they'll be all right. But so far, their season in review has been a total failure. I mean, from every, everybody's expectations, their top guys have all missed significant playing time. So I don't think it's a coaching or personnel thing. They've just been outrageously unlucky i mean hunter yeah. maldonado he's missed a ton of time graham ek has missed all the season he's still in a boot i mean i don't my so it's funny carly's actually from laramie and all my in-laws have wyoming season tickets and they're and laramie's not a big place and the word on the street there is he's not coming back like they, there was a little bit of like they tried to keep some shred of mystery from what i understand he he's not coming back but that's you know, bad i, I almost not <laughs> sure Red shirt, get you know red. You know you don't. If it's a foot thing, like for a big guy like that, it's juice ain't worth the squeeze when you're five and nine and you're two oh seven in the net at this point. A, a uh, foot injury for a big man is literally the worst possible injury. If you just Google NBA big man injuries, look at how many of them are feet, ankle, lower body. It's just devastating. Greg yeah, Greg Oda. So uh, they did give New Mexico a good game. They lost 76 to 75. You know, their beat writer called it a microcosm of their season. Hunter Thompson was a late scratch. Uh, Their leading scorer, Noah Reynolds, left with a head injury. Maldonado fouled out because he had to guard uh, bigger positions. Their two USC transfers uh, finally showed out. um, And all of that, they still lost. Um, It looks like Noah Reynolds may still be in the concussion protocol when they play in this game, when they play us on Saturday, which would be a huge loss for the Cowboys. Um, other, you know, my only question is, is other than the obvious with, that just goes with everything that goes into playing into Laramie, Wyoming on January 7th, what worries you about this game? Uh, for me, it's that we shot the three pointer well last game and we are going to crash back to the norm from this season. Uh, and I don't think it's going to continue. I would love for it to. I would love for us to be a great three-point shooting team. I think that we get good looks. I just don't think that we've been making them. So, you know, pick your poison. Um, But frankly, if Noah Reynolds isn't playing, which I don't think he is, uh, concussions are, are no joke. And I think in modern society, they're taken more serious than they've ever have before. Rough. I think that their matchups are rough. Uh, I think Lamont Butler on Hunter Maldonado, give me that all day of the week. I think that's what you'll see. Uh, I think that Trammell is second best perimeter defender on the team. Put him on Hunter Maldonado. Point of attack, 
a guy who is wants to attack the basket, I think we have the recipe. They have no one, and I mean no one, that can stop us inside. Like you said, they don't force turnovers. They don't. Um, they don't block shots. So my biggest concern: three point shooting. Maybe getting a little comfortable, right? Getting a little comfortable, but it's Wyoming, man. We should rock them. They are not good. We're going to be probably 10-point favorites on the road. We should beat them handily. Yeah, I will just say I have a soft spot for the Cowboys just with my sure. family up there. And I, I feel – I actually feel really bad for them. Like, what a shit show of a season. Yeah. Like, it, like their best guys go down. Like, a kind of a once in a kind of a five-year run that they're supposed to be finally good. Like, that place is a freaking bastard to go play up yeah. there. <laughs> like, you know, I feel I feel for them, but you're right. I mean – there's, they got nobody. I mean, we can throw five guys. You know, with the altitude, we can throw, we can throw five guys at at Maldonado. It's uh, you know, we got Butler, Tramel, Parrish, Seco, and KJ. All those guys can run. You know, do short spurts on Maldonado, and those guys aren't going to do anything else on us. Like it's just you know, they're just not. They don't have they don't have the pieces, and it's not even their fault. But like, yeah, you know, I, I think my biggest worry is that first off. We're the biggest target in the conference. Mm-hmm. So you always have to be ready for a team to play their best game. And then to kind of go with that is just playing down to them. And then all of a sudden you're you're down and you're you're gassed and you're like, what is going on here? And you kind of fall behind. Like Aztec teams of your have fallen into that trap sure. before of just being like all of a sudden they're down and they're winded and they played down to these guys, and that is really the biggest enemy to this team is just playing down to what they have right now. I, I think our team feeds off energy about as much as any team, Aztec team, as I can remember, positive and negative, right? You saw that with uh, with Malachi's team, too. Like, they loved being the bad guy. I think that this team has that same style of le- uh, of play and, and same mentality. It's going to be dead as hell in, in Wyoming. They're terrible. It's yeah. already, it's going to be freezing cold. It's not an easy place to get to. It's, I just think it's going to, it's one of those, it's a trap game. It's absolutely a trap game. And because I think that Wyoming is actually a program in the conference, if you're telling me rate them up or down, they're on the up. I like their new coaching staff. They've run, they run good sets. That's something that I'll say about them. Um, and they maximize their, what, two star players to get, make them two and a half stars, which I mean, that is huge for a program like Wyoming. So it's definitely a trap game. Look at us. We both predicted blowouts. I mean, the fact that their coaches got two dudes from USC and a guy from UCLA to move from Los Angeles to Laramie, Wyoming. I like going to Laramie in the summer. It was negative 44 when I was there for Christmas, but um, you know, that's, that takes some like real, like, Hey, just swagger from the coaching mm-hmm. staff. And they do have a good coach. Like, it's almost like I kind of before the season was like, oh man, if they get to the Sweet Sixteen, like later, good, good luck at Colorado or whatever kind of mountain region Pac-12 school wanted to pick him up. Like that, that had that kind of written all over it. But I, you know, it's a, it's a you're right, it's a total trap game. The one thing that is always that's been interesting, especially over the last handful of years, I would say though, is that they scare the daylights out of these guys about going to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. The beet juice and the. They know, you know, just like the travel schedule that maximizes like red blood cells in the, in your, in your lungs and like all of that, that they really kind of pound them into that, that, that 
there is an extra focus because they know how difficult it is to play there. And I think that has been more like if you go to if you go to Laramie, everywhere in that town it tells you it is seven thousand two hundred and twenty feet. And I think in the Aztecs in the Aztecs case, that is almost a better motivator because of all the things that they do beforehand to be like that's a hard place. You got to be locked in, and it doesn't allow them to kind of overlook the game. Whereas if that team was at sea level, they just it'd be like San Jose State, right? And we've had our we've had our issues with you know the San Jose States before. Um, you know, just kind of looking over yes. them. So at least there is that keeping them focused. But they should run them out of the gym. If they do what they're supposed to, they'll run them out of the gym. I'm a little disappointed we're back to, to spread watching this week, but it is what it is. I think uh, we're currently on an eight-game win streak versus them. Uh, we've won, let's see, one, two. The last loss against Wyoming was in 2017 in Laramie. We got run that that game. But if you look back, you're right. They've they've done pretty good. Since 2015, they've won one, two, three, four out of the five matchups since 2015 in, in Laramie. So you're right. The whole uh, the whole aura that the team the coaching staff has put on on the gym and and playing there definitely has helped them so far. All right, Kyle. I mean, we're we're at fifty minutes. That was good. Anything else? Anything else you want to bring up before? Yes. Before we get going here, I want to use some time to absolutely smear UNLV fans. <laughs> After the game, we're gonna we're gonna have a discussion. After the game, I was feeling pretty confident. I was talking a little shit, right? We've won what eleven of 12, 22 of twenty five, or something like that against them. It's you mentioned it on the pod. It's VA Haas East. It is VA hosties. It's our house. They pay rent. We collect rent checks. And they just say the same thing. I've been hearing it for years. I try to go to as many away games in UNLV as possible because I love Vegas. But it's the same thing. Where's your banner? Where's your Final Four? Do you know what you sound like? You sound like Dallas Cowboy fans. (laughs) You guys haven't been relevant. You guys haven't been relevant since 2008. That was 15 years ago. You guys haven't been nationally relevant since 1990. That was 30 years ago. Shut up. You're done. You're Hank. You're 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 like a kid. You're like a grown man who says, "Well, in middle school, I won the race. I won. I won the turkey trot in middle school, so I'm the shit." You you. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You had a game against the Aztecs where you have all this hype. Thomas and Mack Center is empty for every single game. Every single game. So if you want, if, if talking about your banners from 30 years ago makes you feel good, great. I'm going to collect the rent. It's due every year when we come to Viejas, when we come to Viejas East. And we'll see you in March, where I hope we play you again, where we'll beat you again. Mike. I, I have one question, one follow-up to that. Was, was the person who was touting the banner actually old enough to remember the banner? Uh, the, everyone touts the banner. I just want to specify that. It was like oh, okay. 20 people. And I said, you weren't born when they won that championship to a, many of them. So, because it was all the kids. Because, you know, adults aren't going to talk shit with me. I understand. I want to get this back and forth. I love giving it. I can take it when we lose. Absolutely. That's a part of the fun in this. But yes, you're right. They used that banner when they weren't alive. Well, you know, I did, I, you know, they're just, they're living in fantasy land. 
Yes. That place, you know, I'm actually very excited. I, I'm actually, we're going, I'm going to my first Mountain West tournament. Yes, Austin. I'm very excited. I really want us to play them. I really yes. just, I want to see, I want to see the, whatever aura there is about us playing there. I got to I want, I can't wait to see it in person. It's, it's, we have more fans than they do at the game. If you go to the Mountain West tournament, we will have more fans than UNLV will at the game. Even if it's the title game, we will have more fans. The home game. What was this? What was this? What was the spread when you were there? I would say like, Did we almost have more no, fans no, no, not, no, it's, it's New Year's day. Like it's, that's a tough, oh, that's, that's a tough trip or it's New Year's Eve. I would say there were about, 150, 200 Aztec fans there, and there are probably about 4,000 UNLV fans. But I could, I, if you're if you're talking about who was on the jumbotron, who was making the most noise, that was the Aztec fans. That was not UNLV. UNLVs. This this is all you need to say, okay? At Viejas, the ele- atmosphere when it's popping, it is popping. Electric. Viejas is one of the best places in the country. Vegas. This historic program and i'm doing air quotes they need a hype man to run the to run like the energy in the in the building they literally pay a guy to be a hype man like if you've ever been to a rap concert the dude that hypes out nelly when he comes out or ludicrous that dude works for unlv to get the crowd engaged because the environment is so dead clippers have two of those guys at their games so I, i'm very i'm very <laughs> I, I'm very aware. I, Clipper games are fun because they got a lot of hype. They got a lot of stuff going on, and they're good. It's funny, yeah. You say that because Clipper because Clipper games, they have one guy in the DJ booth and one other person roaming around. It's it's funny that you say that, but because I think the Lakers would make the same point if there is somebody in their own house. But uh, yeah, it's rough. I digress. That was great. Dallas cat. They are Dallas Cowboy fans. Get out of get, you know. Oh, here's our new guy. Nope, nope, nobody. Yeah, it, yeah. It's terrible. You're you're a Cowboys fan though, right? Yes, that's why. Is that a little self self deprecating? Yes. Well, I don't see. I don't tout those banners because I was I I barely remember them, so I don't tout them. And I, I, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, understand that we are we have the worst fans in the NFL by a mile, and I they annoy me. And you sound just like those people on Twitter that I block every single day. (laughs) It's like the LeBron fans. I love LeBron and the Lakers, but the way they follow him and they're just, you know, so unabashedly loved. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like that. Yeah, they all, everyone has stands. But, yeah, it's just like look at what's actually happening and then make your case. And I said you can ha- – and then my response yeah, is you can have your banner. I'm going sh- to take your lunch money today. You can have that banner. I'm taking your lunch money today. I don't engage them on Twitter, but there are some pretty funny uh, – The one that always engages yeah. with the show that's like a – a 60 year old woman is the funniest thing. Oh yeah. And she just takes it. You know what though? If she's having a good time and talking, yeah, hey, talking there's n- more power. There is nothing life. wrong with shit talking. As long as when you give it, you can take it. It's that those are the rules. It's yeah. the only rule. She, she takes it better than the rebellion Twitter feed does. I'll tell you that much. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, on that note, um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Kyle, you got you got an analytics-based pod with Aztec Analytics, which also is going to come out tomorrow. We got the game preview that comes out tomorrow. We are in full. We are the Jaden Ladee in full snowball fashion. Yes, we are getting the content out content. about this season. I still think I still think we have a great chance. Like I was saying, the Mountain West. We're, I think we're going to just roll right through it. 
Um, go ahead, rate, 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 like, and review. And anything else? No, man. Go Aztecs. <laughs> <laughs>